0: Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Kristen Baldwin. Thank you, and welcome uh, to this evening with Jeremy Piven. Thanks for coming out on this snowy night. Uh, Before we welcome him, the star of Mr. Selfridge, let's look at a clip of season three, which premieres March 29th at 9 p.m. on PBS Masterpiece. Ready? Darling, lovely to see you. Thank you for coming.
1: What a show you put on, sir.
0: Catching on.
1: I'm Harry Selfridge. I don't hide behind anyone that gave my job to a girl. Mr. Taller. I'm back. And the bill charge it to a self account. Do not touch. Don't buy this land. Lot 43, in and West London. So, I heard you were back. Did you miss me? Peacocks. I love this department. You're very kind, Mr. Selfridge. Harry, please. Nancy.
0: And now let's please welcome to the stage the star of Mr. Selfridge, a three-time Emmy winner and the owner of the most exquisitely groomed stubble in all of Hollywood, Mr. Jeremy Piven.
1: All right, how are you? Good to see you. Yes. The thing I'm most proud of in the world is my stubble. So I thank mean, you. I mean, it's beautiful. Thank you very much.
0: Well, congratulations. Uh, Mr. Selfridge was just renewed for a fourth season.
1: Yes, yes.
0: How did you find out the news?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've been very lucky. Um, the show has been incredibly well-received overseas, and, and um, it just, we kind of knew, we've known that the, the audience Anyone that sees it stays with it, and the real challenge has been in this country to get the word out. Everywhere else, we've been sold to 165 countries, there's only 200 countries. I mean, that's basically more than Entourage and Downton Abbey and stuff like that. Like overseas, it's, they're really getting it, but here it's, it's kind of a slow burn, so hence why I'm here.
0: Well you perfectly set up my next question for yeah. some people who may not be familiar tell us a little bit about your character harry selfridge
1: uh... he is an entrepreneur who basically kind of made his bones at marshall fields in the midwest in chicago and um, this is the late eighteen hundreds and then nineteen oh eight decided to take the show on the road and break ground in london and they had no shopping culture so he had to invent the culture And he he basically was a a, a part of masterminding the department store as we know it. All the big windows that you see, those were his ideas. He thought of retail as theater, and he was a very colorful character and he liked to put on a show. And um, so that's what he did. Uh, He had an amazing family and wife and kids, but at night he would go out and he liked to gamble. He fell in love with the stage star of the time, Ellen Love, and uh, the madness ensues. (laughs) Uh,
0: well, yeah. As you hinted at, during season one, Harry's a philanderer. Yes. In season two, he and his wife Rose uh, work toward a reconciliation, but then uh, toward the end of the season, she gets gravely ill. Yeah. Season three, which Harry will we see?
1: Well, it's interesting. He starts off as this showman, and he and he's filled with energy, and he's and he's so passionate and ambitious, and the only thing that matters to him. Is, is winning, and succeeding, and he along the way loses track of what means the most to him in this life, which is his love, his wife, and um, you see him slowly start to be taken down a peg, because she doesn't want, she she won't take it anymore, and he finally realizes that without the love of her, that life means nothing. So it's kind of a cautionary tale. He finally gets her back and they're together and he has everything. And she tells him that she's terminally ill. So season three opens on her funeral. And he, he has no idea how he's going to continue. Not a clue. And uh, he's lost. And at the same time, his daughter's getting married. So you have the yin and yang of the universe. And the entire season takes off with a bang. And it's filled with turning point moments, the stakes are raised. And so it's funny because we're living in a different culture now. We, we watch our shows differently, we binge watch. So I feel like in a weird way, it's almost better that not everyone in the States has jumped on the Mr. Selfridge bandwagon. That, listen, I'm, I'm promoting the Entourage movie right now. There's a lot of attention that I can take and put on the Mr. Selfridge. And the reality is people can go and instead of waiting each week to see the show, they can binge watch the first two seasons, yeah. which people love to do, and then start with season three, which is our best season yet. And I ship out to London next month to start season four. So by the time you, you finish season three, you'll be ready for season four.
0: <laughs> You've got it all worked out right? Yeah, everyone. I have it all so worked they, out.
1: Yeah. And you'll, you'll see the Entourage movie June 5th. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I've seen it. It's good. It works. Thank God it works. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be in trouble.
0: Yeah. So between the season one philandering Harry and the season two trying to get his wife back, Harry, which one was more fun to play?
1: It's all fun. I, I, you know, actors love drama and they love playing these stakes and showing the soul of a character. So for me, to have him have his heart broken and to navigate through that is really special and a gift. And to play this role as a gift because I played Ari Gold for eight years and it was, it was a gift to, to be working, but to play such a reactive, high-energy, insane individual. <laughs> um, and I love that. Um, but to play the antithesis of that yeah. and to play this turn-of-the-century gentleman um, who led by example and through love and treated everyone as an equal, Ari Gold, you know, ruled with an iron fist and was an equal opportunity offender. And Harry Selfridge was a guy who loved to work and empower people and was the embodiment of the American spirit and was a true optimist. So for me, it's it's healthier to play Harry (laughs) and at the same time, it's the best work of my life.
0: Well, they actually do. Ari and Harry have quite a bit in common in that they're both very driven, they're very ambitious, they're loyal. But as you said, you know, they have very different temperaments. So as an actor, I'm interested in, in knowing how it was for you to go from a character where you're just screaming almost all the time. And that level of intensity to one who to a a character who has impressive reserve and very rarely gets angry or shows his
1: anger. Well, I mean that's what you're looking to do as an actor. You're looking to grow and stretch, and show your range. And you know, I was 40 movies into my career when I started Entourage, and I was already then labeled as like a schlumpy, plus one best friend number three, (laughs) and then. You play a character with power, and you're like, oh, he's the power guy. He's the guy that takes up all the oxygen in the room. And now I'm Harry Selfridge. Overseas, they, they call me Mr. Selfridge. And they approach me you know, as if I'm running a department store. And it's, it's awesome. I can't help them you know, in any way, shape, or form, but I love it.
0: Uh, So season three takes place, it opens in 1919, the war is over, and there's a lot of change afoot, and uh, Harry's expanding his empire, and he says to Mr. Crab, we have to move forward. So can you talk a little bit about how the themes of change and progress sort of play out throughout season three?
1: Well, I, I think Harry is, he's so devastated by the loss of his wife that he doesn't want to remain still to go inward and feel the pain. So he wants to be a moving target and he wants to distract himself with the store and with progress. And he always did that anyway, but now he's even doubling his efforts. And um, he was he was the first to do so many things. He, listen, he came up with the phrase, the customer's always right. Um, the idea there's 200 days till Christmas. That was all him. He was the guy who, developed these large windows that we see in all the stores. You go to Macy's or whatever, that's all him. He was that guy, he was a real innovator. So he put television cameras in the store so you could come and videotape, so you could film yourself and do your own little reality show before the television was out to the public. I mean, he was so ahead of his time, it was incredible. Um, he developed the idea, he was the first man-made celebrity um, in, a, in a weird way because he knew how important advertising was and yet he would put himself front and center in that advertising and then back in the day you could go to the store and see him at 9am the doors would open he'd be there with his pocket watch greeting people and so people would go God, let's go you know, see Harry Selfridge his heroes were people, people like P.T. Barnum who were you know, the inventor of the three ring circus and stuff like that so he was a very grandiose character. And the way I played him is larger than life. And it was, it was a, a risk to play a character so big and then have him brought down a notch throughout his existence. And so it's a, I, that's the great thing about television is you have a huge arc. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we've been playing.
0: So going back to uh, when this first this role first came to you. You said you, know, you had been playing Ari for eight years and it was an iconic role, three Emmys. When you first heard about this role, how did it come to you and what uh, appealed to you about it?
1: What appealed to me was his story and that I never knew this story and that he was an American that transformed shopping in England and that they told me his life. And it's, a, it's it, I mean, it's like a Greek tragedy he was the equivalent of a billionaire. And he, after his wife passed away, he, he kind of became very close with the Dolly sisters who were charlatans and they took him for hundreds of millions of dollars. He would go out and gamble and give them tons of money. And that turn was incredible. And the way I can't, I don't wanna get ahead of the story and tell you how he ended, but. His story is, it's like, it's like that old saying, if you're going to admire someone's life, you have to admire their whole lives. And you couldn't write a story this fantastic. And uh, he really appealed to me. Growing up in Chicago myself, I, I went to Marshall Fields, and I was a part of this place that he built. My mother went there, her mother before her. And they really, really treated people well and treated them like guests. And so I found him a fascinating character. He's a little bit... You know, he's kind of Willy Wonka <laughs> and, uh, you know, a little bit Tom Ford and, and um, Richard Branson. You know, I mean, he's just all of these different things all rolled into one, and, but yet very much himself. So, also to do place to play something so different and to work with the best actors in the world, it, it was a no brainer. And I was told by people who don't say very much that my work in the Entourage movie is better than the work I did during the series. So if that is true, if I did get better as an actor, it's because I've been working with these incredible actors, these British actors in, in Mr. Selfridge. And I can tell you that they're ridiculously prepared, overqualified for their roles, and they raise my game. So it makes sense.
0: So what is it like working on a set in London versus, how would you compare it to LA and the TV business in London versus LA? What's wow. the, what are some of the differences?
1: The differences are, um, from the first take, they know exactly what they wanna do. And you could print it and move on across the board. Yeah. They're just, um, they're a combination of insanely prepared and yet not pretentious because they have a saying, just get on with it. So they're not gonna like do a take that's amazing and take a victory lap <laughs> and go booyah in your face, bitch. You know? <laughs> they're gonna like do a brilliant take and just, but they're also very sweet, humble, fun-loving people. It's a brilliant culture of people that are well-educated and curious. And it's, a, it's an amazing combination and I love it. Um, and I've, you know, I'm going back for season four, and I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Is it I, I remember reading one of your interviews. You said it's a little more efficient in London, too, that you're, you know, you're in, you're out, they, they get their day done.
1: It is more efficient. I mean, look, you're going you're gonna to use whatever you're given. If they say to you, just keep shooting till you got it, your director will keep shooting 17 hours. <laughs> You know, because they're going to just, we, listen, we have no time, let's just keep shooting. And you're going you're gonna to wear the crew out and the cast. If they say, as they do in England, at 12 hours, you're done. You're finished. They then, necessity is the mother of invention. They're going to be incredibly inventive and figure out a way to get filmic coverage in 12 hours. In other words, to get the kind of coverage that you need 14, 17 hours for, they're gonna figure out a way to do it at the speed of light without sacrificing the quality. And it's kind of a miracle how they do it, yeah.
0: Uh, So you mentioned uh, the fans, the Mr. Selfridge fans in London, they call you Mr. Selfridge. After years of having people yell, hug it out, bitch, at you on the street, what is it like, how would you compare these Mr. Selfridge fans and what kind of encounters have you had with them?
1: Well, I had this woman say that she got a Mani Petty at Selfridges, and it didn't last her long enough, and that could I please talk to the staff? <laughs> and um, I headbutted her. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, she was lovely. I mean, listen, you know, after after being confused, Ferrari Gold, and as you know, Jer- Jeremy Piven is is very different from a abrasive, fast-talking agent. I do roles because I love them, and I work because I connect with them, the, the role itself. And money isn't the variable, and the reality is money is everything to Ari Gold. And so to be associated with that character and that ideology has been very strange for me. It's, it's like living someone else's life. So now to move on to this other character who, you know, I, you know I, I, I am more like Harry Selfridge. Um, he, he's, he's more human mm-hmm. and more accessible. And at the same time, he's very different from me as well. I mean, you're talking about a turn-of-the-century guy with a, with, a, with a large family. Um, I'm from the Midwest, so they kept my accent. It's the same accent that I use as Ari Gold. So I, I showed them... What, an, what a Chicago accent sounds like, my accent's been homogenized because I'm a thespian, massive <laughs> thespian. So I have a, just a very kind of flat Midwest accent. But a Chicago accent is very hardcore, <laughs> cars and bars. My friend Mike was there for a couple, two, three days. It was, it was brutal. Like that's, that's, a, that's not, it's not easy on the ears. And I did a Chicago accent for them and they said, please don't ever do that again. That was, that was disgusting. And they also said, is that Irish? Is that an Irish accent? And then I realized that there are so many Irish in Chicago Mm -hmm. that a Chicago accent is a homogenized version of the Irish accent. So it does sound like to their ears, I'm just doing a bad Irish accent, (laughs) which had I done that accent on the show would have been a disaster. The reviews would have, would have been like, what a terrible Irish accent.
0: <laughs> so, uh, the clothes on Mr. Selfridge are beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Harry's as well. Uh, how does the wardrobe help you get into character?
1: Well, you have suspenders um, and they kind of prop you up, and then you have a waistcoat, you know, something like this is like my little homage to Harry Selfridge. And it's, and it's, incredibly elaborate and it holds you in. And the collars are incredibly stiff and uncomfortable. That's why you see me, I'll never wear a tie unless I have to. Um, Because for eight years, I mean, literally Ari Gold was buttoned up. Mm -hmm. Harry Selfridge is buttoned up. I don't know who invented that, but it's basically like a noose. (laughs) It's like, please enjoy this noose. And you will be, and I also like, you know, I, I played high school football, so I developed... I have a 16 and a half to a 17-inch neck, and, you know, like, that's big. So, like, over there, they have no American football, so, like, my neck is not... My neck is, like, the size of a, you know, a guy who would be, at, like, a heavyweight boxer over there. Like, not, I have to use collar extenders. I'm, like, a freak, so I have <laughs> trouble breathing. It's not pretty, but, like, you get into this character. Also they pay such attention to detail. I mean, like literally over there, it's kind of fascinating. Everyone's treated the same, whether you're an extra or the lead and the people that are extras are dressed head to toe in very specific, authentic period costumes. And it's just, it's a feast for the eyes. And it's a great lesson to all of us because you know, on American sets, it's not the same way. You know, there's a lot more of a hierarchy and I kind of like it better over there because everyone's treated equally.
0: And the, uh, you mentioned all the different layers that he wears. When I watch the show, I feel like it looks hot. Like you have so many layers on and it just, is it, what's the most challenging part for you? for your Yeah. You
1: know what? I, I I like to, I train a lot and I like to overheat myself and I love sweating and it sounds very creepy, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, No, I, I wear a lot of layers when, when I train and, and I love saunas and all that stuff. So I'm always overheating. And so for me, it's in a weird way, I've been preparing for this. <laughs> Your whole life. My whole life I've been preparing for this period, for this costume drama. Um, I, you know, Rex Lee, and he's going to hate me for saying this, who played Lloyd, um, would get overheated. And there would be a team of experts around him with fans <laughs> in between takes. And I just got very lucky because I'm used to overheating. So I got lucky.
0: So uh, over the past two seasons, Harry's faced a lot of challenges, uh, a lot of victories, but several obstacles, including falling into a coma at one point. Uh, what has been the most difficult?
1: He, but to, for those of you who haven't seen it, um, Harry's not a drinker. And when his affair with Ellen Love, the stage star of the time, uh, is exposed. Um, his, you know, he he could lose his wife, and he starts drinking, and he gets into his, nineteen fourteen, sorry, nineteen oh nine, Mercedes Ghost, wraps it around a tree, and goes into a coma. He didn't just go into a coma.
0: <laughs> sorry, I didn't you know give the I mean? complete no, it's okay. backstory. I
1: wanted to like yeah. let people know that there, was there are steps there. in this yes, show. Yes. Uh, because you know a lot of people haven't seen this show yet and this is actually a really fun experiment for me because I want to see how many how long it takes in our culture for a show to become popular without a ton of advertising because this is all about word of mouth you know so this is going to be kind of fascinating I'm curious.
0: All right. Well, this is ground zero for you. <laughs> yes, your, you're your helping, experiment. so thank you. No problem. Uh, so when you go shopping now, yeah. do you find yourself sort of assessing the store and the displays?
1: I, I do. I do. I, yeah, I find myself I to calm down because I'll be in a store and like no one will come over to you for a long period of time. And I'm just thinking, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't the way to do it. So I feel like the, the spirit of Harry Selfridge is there living through me. And um, I do want to, like, tell people how to, how to run it. And I have to stop myself. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Um, because I've studied him so much, and I've been playing him, and, you know, I know they could do better and treat people better, and so, it, but then there are places you go to and they're incredible.
0: Yeah. So we're going to go to audience Q&A in a second, but I wanted to ask before we do, Uh, In addition to seasons three and four of Mr. Selfridge, you have another big event on the horizon, the Entourage movie, as you mentioned. Very exciting. For a while, it seemed like it wasn't going to happen. Uh, So can you tell us a little bit about how it came together?
1: Well, I was holding out for more money. And... No. (laughs) For the record, that is 1,000% not true. I was actually the first one to sign on because I just thought, first of all, I had been in, in England doing this costume drama and I thought, wouldn't it be fun to go back into the future and play this maniac after playing Harry Selfridge? And how differently would I play him? Listen, had I not been doing this amazing show, um, I don't know if I would have done, gone back and done Ari Gold again, but I felt like I was, I'd let him go He was in the past, Um, and I thought, why not just go back and get into it? It would be so fun to do. And um, we hit the ground running. It was like no time had passed. Um, It felt really, really good. And um, I I do think it's explored and heightened in a better version of the series, you know. And there's a lot of pressure, and I'm very proud of it.
0: And you've seen it. You
1: I've seen it. You vouch for it. Stamp of approval. (laughs) Excellent.
0: All right. Well, I think we can turn it over to audience Q and A.
1: Hi, a big fan. Um, One of my
0: favorite movies is Smoking Aces. Nice. Uh, Can you talk about like preparing for that character
1: and what you had to do and stuff? Uh, Yeah, Smoking Aces was, uh, you know, before its time. Think about this cast for a second. It was, you know, Ben Affleck and Ryan Reynolds and Jason Bateman and Common and Alicia Keys and Taraji Henson and like it just like everyone. Is a is a superstar, and it was before they kind of all broke. Um, it's like Kamen just won an Oscar. <laughs> Taraji is killing it on Empire. You know, Ben Affleck is Ben Affleck. Um, that's that's a celebration of him, by the way. That's not it wasn't, it wasn't me slamming Ben Affleck, for the record. Um, I went and studied with a lot of magicians and. Um, they were incredible and i just being around them and and having them teach me sleight of hands was incredible um and i i did the best that i could you know and i'm still one millionth of what they are because the reality is you have to do it you have cards in your hand 24 hours a day if you're a magician and i did but you know I'm, I have cards in my hands for four months, 24 hours a day. They've had cards in their hands since they were eight years old. So I was able to do some sleight of hand and that was amazing. I don't do cocaine, but, because cocaine is a, is a terrible drug. <laughs> in the words of um, Rick James, thank you. <laughs> um, but, but as a testament to that character, I've had people come up to me and go, you know, bro, you wanna do some blow? And I'm like, I don't do cocaine. And they're like, man, I've seen you do cocaine. I'm like, did you see me do cocaine in a movie? Because that's fiction. <laughs> so I've had those moments. And that was Common's, I think that was Common's first role. It was his first role. And you know, he was he's one of these guys who was a superstar in the hip hop community. And he was so humble coming into this new arena. And it was just great to work with him and to see how much he got better and he grew. And Joe Carnahan who directed it is a genius. Uh, he's a guy that basically helped create and direct The Blacklist and a million other movies. And, and it, was, uh, it was an incredible experience, a little before its time. But go back and, and check it out, Smoking Aces. Hi, we're big fans. We Thank are you. completely up to date. Oh, there you go. And we suggest everybody to watch You're- it because it's amazing. There you go. <laughs> Um, what's the Mr. Selfridge set like um, like on a, a day-to-day basis, and have you ever um, filmed actually at Selfridges itself? Um, I'm trying to guess if you're Australian or New Zealand. New Zealand, <laughs> okay, New Zealand. Um, These sets are shocking because, I mean, you walk in there and it, in, the, in, in the UK, if you don't get it right, you will hear about it, and you'll you'll get letters, and, and, you know, so it's it's amazing the attention to detail. You walk in, and it's another world, and it's, for an actor, it's such a gift because you're trying to place yourself in that place, and so you're always looking to be in the authentic place, and if you can't be, if they've recreated a set that is that specific, I mean, like, I you know I grew up in Marshall Fields and and that's where Harry Selfridge learned how to do it. So he Selfridges is an homage to Marshall Fields and I can see the metalwork that's an homage to Marshall Fields. I mean it works on so many different levels and it's enormous so that they can have play with the cameras and do sweeping whatever they want and my Harry's house is It's breathtaking, Uh, and you know he was—he was a guy who was ahead of his time with fashion as well. So, not only do the sets work, but the clothes are impeccable, and it's um, it's a feast for the eyes. So it's it's a pleasure. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. Huge fan of Entourage, and uh, one of my questions about the Ari Gold character is like it's uh, it's
0: evolution. Uh, you see him a really sensitive with Vinny Chase at some moments, really yeah. sensitive with your wife at some moments. Was that a hard transition for you to make believable and sell on the show because it was such a tough character?
1: Well, I mean, you know what's funny is, <clears throat> on that note, I was talking to a, to a journalist, and she said, she was very honest with me, um, that... She, she really appreciated Mr. Selfridge, but didn't really take to Ari Gold. And I was like, oh, interesting, why is that? She said, she just didn't like my character. And I was like, well, that's totally understandable. And she says, she just doesn't gravitate towards people like that. And she thought that I was, she, she said, there's no way that's acting. And I said, okay, interesting. And she said, you know, I said, she was, I said, why? And she said, it just, it was, it was too good. There's, it was too good. It was too real. And you have to understand like that's our job. And that's our goal is to make every, like the way I'm speaking right now, everything is improvisational. It's coming off the top of my head. It's coming out of my mouth for the first time. That's my job as an actor to make every word to be totally present and make it seem like I'm improvising everything. Entourage was written by Doug Ellen. Those speeches are laid out word for word, and I have to hit all that, and there's someone assigned to me. And if I don't get every word, it's in the Jewish culture, it's like when, you're, when, when those guys are writing out the Torah, they have to go back to the beginning if they miss one thing up. You know, it's like, I'm one of those guys, gotta go back to the beginning. and it, Believe me, it was it was challenging and it was amazing, um, but you know. So people then treat me and see me, and they just revert back to the character and think that I am this abrasive individual, and they treat me as such. I've had guys come up to me and say, "Bro, I'm a douchebag because of you." <laughs> and I'm thinking, I want to retire. <laughs> I have done something wrong. And I need to take that, I, I've, I've done humanity a disservice. You know what I mean? Like, but listen, the harder you work, the easier it looks. That's just the way anything is. You know, uh, I'm, I'm friends with John Legend. That guy is warming his voice up constantly. You know, I mean, he's still getting better and learning and, and, and all that. And, th- and the, same with, the same with actors. We're just trying to get better. I, I tried to infuse as much humanity into Ari Gold as possible. So, you know, you, the first thing you do as an actor is you never judge your characters. And, you know, I, I could not be represented by Ari Gold. We're very, very different. He would hate me because I'm a guy that goes to England and works for not a lot of money. You know, he's all about the money and I'm not. We just were different. You know, we're different people. So the first thing I can't do is judge him. Um, I have to embrace him and play him with every fiber of my being, give him as much integrity as possible, even though I may not like him. I mean, you know, we, don't, we wouldn't like each other. So that, you know, I, I suggested f- from the jump that Perry Reeves, who plays Mrs. Ari, I was friends with before and she's, a, she's great and we really got along and I knew that we could, that chemistry would carry over into the roles. And we had our first scene and I'm supposed to just yell at her and just take off. And I said, wouldn't it be great if I yelled at her and she's like, give me the keys. And I kind of shrink like a little boy and give her the keys. And then I follow her off camera. I'm like, let her wear the pants in the relationship. I crush everyone except my wife has all the power that duality will work and we can we can just hang our hat on that forever because I can be this guy who looks at every woman that walks by and is continuously distracted and you think he's a pig and I can get away with that because he's monogamous and loves his wife I can get away with his, his methods being unsound and being possibly homophobic or whatever you know, because he's an equal opportunity offender and he speaks the truth as he knows it in his own strange way. And I think that's what people gravitated towards because of his energy. Um, Maybe you like him, maybe you don't have the same beliefs as him, but there's something about his energy, it was confident, it was funny. Um, I was thinking about this today. He almost feels like, like there are some politicians that people vote for and you might not believe their platform, but you feel their energy and you're like, that guy, I, he, be-. like their energy is confident and they believe themselves. And so you see that and go, I think he's speaking the truth. I'm with this guy. And you might not even believe in his platforms. I, I digress, cause that's a whole nother problem <laughs> that we need to face. But um, the, in terms of the layers of Ari Gold, it was it was a challenge. I mean, I remember going to the creator of Entourage when I started crying when I couldn't get my son into a private school, and you know we didn't agree on whether or not to keep it, and I really wanted to keep that moment in there, and um, I remember we don't. One of the credos of the Entourage series was to never you'll never see a close up in Entourage. A lot of movement, a lot of just wide shots, you know, camera roving. Um, and it had a lot of movement and energy. And I remember playing the scene where Dan Castellaneta was the, he's the voice of Homer Simpson, genius guy, was playing the headmaster of the school. And he's saying, your son's not gonna get in, not because of him, because of you, because you're abrasive, you're always on the phone. And, and I just remember that hit me like, and I started crying. And, I said, can you bring the camera in a little bit? And they're like, we, that's, we don't do that on the show. And I literally took the camera and like, <laughs> brought it in. You got it. You this is a character like, if there was ever a moment to bring the camera in, l- show his humanity. He, he has gotten in the way of his son's education. That's heavy. So um, they brought the camera in because I'm a total ham, and I begged for it, and it worked. And I was lucky enough to win an Emmy for that. You know, so I, I, you know, there are things like that. Listen, showing dimension is the, the best thing you could do. And people want to see that. They don't want to see a one dimensional character. They want to see the layers. None of us are just one thing. You know, no one is a devil in their own story.
0: Um, your role as Ari Gold really inspired me to get into entertainment industry. I was in fashion oh my before. God, I? Sorry about I know that. I'm crazy, right? <laughs> so I know you actually were not an agent in real life, but yeah. as your experience, you seem like you on the show you loved it and you hated it at the same time. What's your um, thought on working as an agent or a publicist for a celebrity well, in the industry? You know,
1: as an as an actor, you know, you're, you what you want is an agent who gets you and who will fight for you and because, I mean, I can only speak for myself and you know for a lot of people, like acting is, there's so much rejection. I mean, you have to have thick skin. Like I, you know, it's just, a, it's the nature of the beast. Um, and so you have to really love it. You know, people, people stop doing it because they can't take the rejection anymore. Um, and I grew up on the stage. so. I always thought, just get through it because I want to get back to that feeling that I had when you're acting. So it gets you through those moments. So I always want an agent who gets how much I love it. And so um, I wanted to play an agent that got and loved his client. And that's the way he really felt and feels about Vinny Chase. And it's funny because his first order of business in the movie, I mean, I'm going to tell you things that I'm not sh- I shouldn't be telling you. Should I be doing that? Yes. I don't know if I'll be, maybe I'll be fired. <laughs> Too late, it's already filmed. <laughs> I'll go to actor jail. Um, he, we pick up with, with Ari Gold where we left off. Um, it's six months later and he's in Italy. And where would Ari Gold be without any type of communication? He has no Wi-Fi he loves his wife they're together it's perfect he's living the dream but he can't communicate with the people he, had, he we left him with this incredible conundrum. He was offered basically to be God in his industry to run it all and he can't even contact those people to tell him his answer because he, he can't get a hold of them so I wanted. That, to hit the ground running in this height of frustration. And that's kind of where we pick up with him. And he does take the job. And his first order of business is to take care of his boy and to give Vinny Chase the, the lead role in his first movie that he's greenlighting. Does that character exist? I don't know. I hope so. I'd like to find him, but I wanted to play him, you know. And that's what we all want as actors, is someone that gets us. And you know that's that that's all you could hope for, and seen.
0: And scene. Thank <laughs> you so much, Jeremy Piven, for coming. And thank you, thank you, for you having to me. everyone. Thank you for taking your time and, out. And uh, Mr. Selfridge premieres March 29th. At March 9 PM.
1: 29th, nine o'clock, PBS. Take a <laughs> chair. <laughs>